Good morning. Good to see everybody today. Welcome to church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. I want to welcome everybody who's watching us online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right, real quick, let me talk, uh, tag on to those announcements. Worship night, 7 o'clock Friday. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be epic. Uh, we are bringing in a special group, uh, a couple called The Maze and also City on a Hill. Um, they have worked with Carrie Job, and I mean, like, this is going to be an awesome, awesome night of worship. Uh, man, just, they're just so anointed. They're going to usher in just the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is going to do so much that night. I do not want you guys to miss it, okay? Friday, 7 o'clock, put it on your calendar. Be there. You're not going to want to miss that night, okay? Awesome. We are in a series, World Verse Word, part 12, unofficially, okay? Uh, not counting the additions. Uh, today, we are doing relationship edition. Uh, I think this might be our final part of the series, but I am not sure yet, okay? Uh, but I know we've got a good one today. Uh, if you've missed any of the part of the series, I want to encourage you to go online, YouTube channel, and check it out, okay? Recap really quickly for uh, the, the new ones, uh, newbies today. Um, basically, we're, we're doing a series uh, comparing uh, how the culture, the world views the world and things that are going on, and then how we should view it as followers of Jesus, uh, being a biblically-based church, how we filter uh, the world through the Bible, right? We all see the world through a lens and a filter. Our filters, as followers of Jesus Christ, should be God's word. On what subject? Every single subject. And so we've been going through it, um, and this is part 12 today, relationship edition. Come on. We're going to be talking about all things relationship today, okay? Where I want to start today is marriage, okay? Marriage was invented by God, okay? God invented it, and so because he invented it, we're not supposed to add to it or take it away, right? And because he is the inventor of marriage. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. God, this is your moment. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every person that's in this room today, God, that you have chosen them to be here. They have, you've called them by name to be here. Lord, I just ask that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds to your eternal word today. God, I just pray that you'd have your way, God. Jesus, get me out of the way, none of me and all of you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen and amen. So, Marriage is a big deal to God. So it's so big that he uh, begins and ends his book with marriage, okay? He begins and ends his book with marriage. And so well, where I want to start today, I want to start at the end, Revelation 21, 1 through 4, okay? And this is the last wedding. Like, this is the last marriage. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. And so uh, what we're reading here is the last marriage between Jesus and his church. We become one with him. We get to spend eternity with him. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day. Come on. 
Let's continue. He will live with them, and they will be his people. Come on. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Come on. No more crying. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. So the final wedding, the final marriage will be Jesus united with his church uh, for everlasting life, we get to spend eternity with Lord. And so his book ends with marriage, but it also begins with marriage. Genesis 2, 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. What is so interesting about this is that God made Adam perfect. Like, Adam was perfect. Yet, God placed a desire in him to have a helpmate. Now, the first thing that God did with Adam was give him a job. Come on. Gave Adam a job. He gave him purpose on this earth. And his first job was to name all of the animals, okay? So as he's naming all of the animals, elephant, giraffe, beetle, monkey, like as he's going through them all, he's also acknowledging and recognizing that there are, none of these are like him, right? Giraffe, not like me. Monkey, not like me. Beetle, not like me, right? He's going, squirrel, not like me. He's going through those, he's, he's, he's recognizing what their name is supposed to be, he's in his purpose, he's working, but he is acknowledging that none of them are like me. And God acknowledges that too. Because God sees that it's not going to be good for Adam just to talk to animals all day, right? And he doesn't want him to turn into, you know, some weird cat lady. Come on, somebody. And so he, he sees this desire in Adam for a helpmate to do life with someone that is like him. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So this is the first commandment that God gives Adam and Eve. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And so this is the first command that God gives Adam and Eve is to be fruitful and multiply. And what we see here is that there is a blessing. There, there's a built-in blessing when you get married. And the very existence and the continuation of the human race, of humanity, is based on humans being fruitful and multiplying. And not just that, there is something that happens to people when we experience that fruitfulness and that multiplication. I know for me, uh, Don and I spent 10, 10 years uh, before having kids. Um, it was on purpose, okay? We, we call them our single married years, right? Um, you know, when, when you can do whatever you want to do and go to the beach, you know, every weekend and we actually have money in the bank. Come on, somebody. Woo! 
Uh, and, and when Dawn got pregnant and, and had Jude, uh, I remember being in the hospital and Jude, the umbilical cord was wrapped around Jude's neck. And when he, when he came out, he was purple and he wasn't breathing. And the doctor flipped him upside down and, and didn't slap him in the butt and did that whole thing and got him to breathe again and, and started breathing again. And um, they were concerned uh, about his throat and his lungs and, and his brain. They didn't know how long he wasn't breathing for and, and how long uh, he was in the womb without oxygen. And so they said, okay, uh, well, they gave him to Don, but they're like, we really need to take him to the NICU. We have no idea what the, dam the extent of damage is. And, and so I said, okay, get out of the room. And so I kicked everybody out of the room, and just Don and I and Jude, and we just prayed. We just prayed, God, you know, you gave us this son, and, and we just pray healing over him, blessing over him, Lord, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus. And so the doctors came back in. And the nurses came back in, and so they took him to the NICU, and I said, okay, wherever you're taking him, I'm going, right? I'm going. And I remember they, they put him in this bubble thing, and they're wheeling him, wheeling him out of the room and, and down this hallway, and I'm walking alongside of this bubble thing, looking at my small, little, little son. And I remember looking at him, and in that moment, I couldn't love someone any more than I loved him right there at that moment. And what's so interesting is that Jude hadn't done anything for me. The only thing he did was be born. And the moment he was born, he had all of my love. And so as I'm walking down this hallway with Jude in this, this bubble thing, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, when you get born again, this is how I love you. You have all of my love. And just like you would go wherever they were going to take your son, you would go there no matter what. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be right next to you wherever you go. And so there, there are things that the Lord loves to teach us through our children, through that being fruitful and multiplying. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds... He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So not only is there a built-in blessing with this, there's also built-in favor from the Lord. Man, God blesses and puts his favor on marriage. And this is why Satan loves to attack marriage so much. Okay, here's the next question. Why is marriage between a man and a woman? Well, I think we answered the first part of that. That's how we multiply humanity, right? That's how, now listen, I get it, technology, petri dishes, I get all of that. Okay, that doesn't mean it's right, but I, I get all of that. But this is how God has commanded us to multiply the earth. Matthew 19, 4 through 6, and this is Jesus. Jesus says this. Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. 
since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And so this is something that happens supernaturally only between a man and a woman. Something happens to Jesus. It's something that happens supernaturally where two becomes one. And this is why God hates divorce. And the scripture says he hates divorce. And one of the reasons why he hates divorce is because it literally is ripping apart what God has placed together. That's why it's so painful and hurtful. And if there's kids involved, it's hurtful and painful for them too. And that's why God gives us a, a strong warning about divorce. Not that he hates the people that get divorced. God doesn't hate people, right? He, he loves us. He just hates what it does to his children. And he wants us to avoid that. But here's the great thing about God. Uh, there is life after divorce. Amen? Amen? There is healing after divorce. Man, there, there, there is grace that comes upon our life after divorce. Um, and, and we get divorced for all different reasons. But man, uh, man, God has a new beginning and can have a new beginning for anybody after that season. Now, just because something is made a law doesn't mean it's not sin. And I think sometimes we, we get confused uh, uh, about this. Just because something is made a law in our country doesn't mean that it's not sin. Okay, let me give you a couple examples. 1973, abortion became legal, okay? In 1973, it became legal to have an abortion. Now, in the eyes of God, abortion is murder, Okay, in the eyes of God, okay, he doesn't just see a, a clump of cells in the book of Jeremiah. He says he, he knew us before we were born. Okay, he knew us before. What does that mean? He knew us. It, mean, it means that he has a purpose. He has a plan for every single person. Nobody is a mistake. Yeah. Nobody is a mistake. Everybody is born on purpose. But there's life after abortion, okay? Statistically, probably one in four women in this room have had an abortion. Let me tell you, God loves you so much. Yeah. And he has forgiven you. Yeah. And your first step is to forgive yourself through the healing process. Because God loves you. Man, he's got a purpose. He's got a plan for your life. In 2015, same-sex marriage became legal. 2015, it became legal here in the United States. M marriage, according to Scripture, according to God, is between a man and a woman, okay? Not between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. According to God, marriage is between a man and a woman, okay? And so it doesn't matter if it's legal here in America, it's still sin to God. Romans 1, 25 through 27, shows us that homosexuality is a sin. It's very, very clear in Scripture here, Romans 1, 25 through 27. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who forever praised. I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that, okay? They worshiped and served created things. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust, even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Let's continue. 
In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. And then the next passage states that uh, God had turned them over to a reprobate mind. Okay? Now, we, we see clearly through Scripture that uh, homosexuality is a sin to God, okay? And so he doesn't recognize uh, same-sex marriages as marriages, okay? Now, what is so interesting about that first part of that scripture, and, and this is what is happening in our culture today, is that they are worshiping their sexuality, right? God created sex. He, he created it to be wonderful inside the marriage bed. It was a gift from God. Instead of seeing it as a gift from God, they, they begin to worship their sexuality. And this is why there's so much anger around um, when you don't agree with their lifestyle, when you don't agree with their lifestyle, they, they make a comment of like, you don't love me. Listen, we can love people and still not accept their sin. God does it with us every single day. And so they, they, they've worshipped something that, that was pure and, and, and precious and a gift from God, and it's become literally their God. That's why there's so much contention and anger around that subject. Now, uh, I, I know many of you have friends, you have neighbors, you have family members, you have sons, daughters, nieces, and nephews, cousins, uh, co-workers that are all living in this lifestyle. Now, if they know your stance... Okay, if they know your stance uh, on this, you do not need to beat them over the head with your stance every day. Okay, they already know where you stand. Okay, they're already feeling shameful in, in, in their lifestyle when they're around you. You don't need to beat it over their head. God has placed you in their life to love them, to care for them to pray for them, okay? God has called us to build bridges with people, not burn them down, okay? And, and so many times God places us uh, in, in people in this lifestyle on purpose so they can see what Jesus actually looks like and that we would love them and care for them and pray for them. All right, single people, hey. Now, Paul's instructions for single people, he, he states, if you can be single, it's actually better for you to be single. Come on. So you're not distracted by everything that comes with relationship, right? Uh, relationship drama, kid stuff, right? You, you can just focus on what God has called you to focus on. You can be very flexible and mobile. You can move wherever God is telling you to move because you don't have the re responsibility of, of a marriage or, or, or a family or kids, okay? Now, if you're not called to be single, that's okay too, okay? I'm not called to be single. Come on. Amen, anybody? Come on. Some of us are, are, are called to, to be married. And uh, I don't know if you've heard this term before. It was very popular when I was growing up. And it was called missionary dating. <laughs> and it's this, this, it's, it's this idea, right? You, you see somebody that's really good looking and, and they're hot and they're cute. And, 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 you know, and you're like, they don't know the Lord, right? Um, but you're like, I can save them. And then I'll have the complete package. Come on, right? 
Now, listen there's, ran- listen, there's random stories where this has worked out, okay? I'm sure there are. Where someone, you start dating some- someone, starts dating someone, and they-, they come to church, and they have, you know, a transformational moment, and they serve the Lord, and that marriage works out. Okay, that, that does happen. But I would say 99% of the time, these relationships don't work out and end in divorce. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't yoke yourself together. And this is uh, an illustration uh, of two oxen uh, being yoked together, right? They're supposed to be moving in the same direction. If you're unequally yoked, you're going to be trying to go in opposite directions, and you're not going to get anything done. Your relationship and your marriage is going to be a disaster, okay? Okay. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Missionary dating most of the time does not work. And what I want to encourage the single people in the room today, I want to encourage you, do not settle. God has someone for you. He's got, he sees your heart. He knows the desires. He has a helpmate for you. Don't just date to date. Date with the intention of, hey, I might marry this person. Because everything else is just a big waste of time. Listen, I'm telling you. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers, Okay? Wait for the person. Man, God has someone for you, and it's great, okay? That person's going to be great. They're going to be that helpmate. They're going to be that person that will complete you. One of the reasons marriage is so sacred to God is because there's always intimacy and commitment. Always. There's always these two things. There's always intimacy, and there's always commitment. And what has happened in our culture today is more and more people are just living together. They're waiting longer to get married, and, and they're just living together. And what is happening is that they have intimacy without the commitment. Yep, yep. No, 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 Pastor. No, 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 no. My toothbrush is there. So what intimacy without commitment does, it practices, we're we're basically practicing divorce. And this is why the divorce rate is over 52% and and rising because so many people, and I don't even want to say young people, I'm going to say people have this, this idea of having intimacy before commitment and we're just practicing for, for divorce. Now, Don and I, we lived together before we got married, okay? We were in the world, we were partying, uh, we were doing all the things. And so I, I've heard every excuse, because we had the excuse, okay? Oh, financially, it's, a, it's better to live together. Oh, for time purposes, right? It's for better for us to be together. All of the things, I get it, right? But what it was doing is we were practicing for divorce, because year two in our marriage, year two in our marriage, we were ready to call it quits. We were ready to pull the plug. 
we, we had another just blow up fight, yelling at each other and just doing all the things. And, and you know, we were young, didn't know how to communicate. And, and I was done. I was done. And I remember storming out of our apartment in Arizona. And uh, I went for a walk. I just went for a walk in, in our community. And I was just walking, and I was just, I was just steaming, and it was just done. And I went and sat under this gazebo uh, on this picnic table. And I was just started just talking to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what is going on, right? Like, what is happening to me? And, and I said, Lord, show me the spiritual realm. Just, just, just give me a, a peek of what is happening spiritually around me in this moment. Show me what is happening, how I am being attacked right now. And I just remember the Lord so clearly said to me, he said, Andrew, you don't want me to show you the spiritual realm right now. Because the hordes of hell are literally coming after your marriage right now. He said, there's, there's this... There's so many demons right now around you that, that, that it's, there's so much, there's dark, it's all darkness around you. And the image that he showed me is that there was an umbrella, right? There was an umbrella over me and that God was protecting me from the hordes of hell from ravaging me. And in that moment, I'm thinking, man, Satan wants to destroy my marriage, like really, really bad. And what I started to think is like, man, if he wants to steal and destroy my marriage so bad, there must be something good on the other side. If he is so intent of destroying something that God put together, man, maybe we should fight through this thing and get through whatever we get through because obviously he's trying to stop something good. And this is the same thing, man, I was just praying this week, this is the same thing that I see for our church. Man, the hordes of hell have been coming after our church. And the same thing that, man, I, I heard from, from, from the Lord, man, there's something good on the other side. And when we break through, and we're going to break through, we're going to experience revival. We're going to experience restoration. We're going to experience God's power and presence like never before because Satan doesn't attack anything that he doesn't think is a problem for himself and his kingdom. And so the same thing. Maybe God's attacking your marriage today. Did I say God's attacking your marriage? Did I say that? Yeah, yes, he did. Satan is attacking your marriage today. Yeah. Maybe the reason why he's doing that is because he sees the good. After you break through, man, God's purpose and his plan for your marriage, if you just don't give up, man, your breakthrough could be a day away. It could be three days away. It could be a week away. And the only way we're not going to get that breakthrough is if we give up. Right. Satan hates marriage, but God loves it. He invented it. He instituted it. There is a blessing and favor on your marriage today. Walk it out in obedience. I want to end with this passage this morning. And the Apostle Paul is talking about marriage, but he's also talking about 
the communion, because he's talking about a church here, the church of Ephesus. And so, yes, the context is marriage, and we'll get into that, but it's also how we should treat each other in community. Ephesians 5, 21 through 25. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's what we talk about, like submitting to one another in honor and respect for one another. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, you see this analogy that he's using, the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now let's stop there for a moment. Now husbands, before you get Ephesians 5.24 tattooed on your arm, Honey, Ephesians 5, 24, okay? There is another part of this passage. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. There is no woman on planet Earth that won't submit to a man who loves her like Jesus loves the church. It's impossible. It's, it's literally impossible for that to happen because Jesus loves us so perfectly and sacrificially. There is no woman on planet Earth that wouldn't submit to a man that loves her that way. And it's submitting to one Another. It's not an overlord or, you know, boss, employee type. No, no, no. It's this beautiful thing that God invented where the husband would be the head. He would be the leader. But acknowledging that he needs a helpmate and his role is to love her like Jesus loves the church. And so I've got three key takeaways today that I want to end with today, okay, about this passage. And they all start with S. Come on. Number one, serve one another. Jesus didn't come to be served, which is mind-blowing that God came not to be served. If there was anyone that could demand us to serve him, it would have been Jesus. But instead, Jesus does what? He, he, he comes as a ransom, and he comes to what? Serve us. Couples, serve one another in your home. Serve one another. Church, serve one another in community. And serve the house of God. Man, this, this, this culture of serving one another. Man, just having this, this culture in your home to outdo one another in service. That we're submitting to one to another. And you, because we love each other so much with, with godly love, that, it, that it's not premeditated, but it's something that we do because this is who we are. We, we serve. Number two, support one another. Support one another support one another in our needs. 
in the context of, of marriage, support one another in each of our roles in the home. Guys, there, there might be some days where you need to do the dishes, take the garbage out, right? Mow the lawn. There, there's things that, that we need to do to support one another. Change a diaper. Woo, come on. Well, love your wife like Jesus. Change your diaper. Come on. Like supporting, seeing each other. Man, cook dinner or bring dinner home, right? Like bless each other, support each other in each other's roles. And finally, speak life over each other. Speak life. We should be a church that speaks life into one another, not death. And this is, this is the word, that our words bring life or death. This is the culture of our home. We have two boys who don't always speak life to each other. over his life. Death. Right? Like, okay, apologize, right? Say three kind things to your brother. We do this, right? <laughs> Say three kind things. Because we want to instill in them that our words are powerful. They're, they're just not empty things that, that go into air. No, no, no. They can bring life or death over us. Speak life into your spouse. Encourage one another. <laughs> life together in life groups, add them to a life group and, and do life and speak life over one another because our words are powerful. God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. If you're married today, God wants to bless your marriage. If you're struggling, he, he wants to give you a breakthrough today. Understand that your marriage has favor on it. If you're single today, God's got someone for you. God's got someone for you. Be patient. Don't settle for second or third. God's got his very best for you. He's got a helpmate for you. Wait on God. and close our eyes this morning. First things first, maybe you'd say this morning, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus and I need to today. I want eternal life. I want to spend eternity. As you started the, the message today about spending eternity with God in heaven, I want that. I'm not sure if I would die today whether or not I would spend eternity in heaven and so I want to do that today. Or maybe you just need to make a recommitment to Christ today that you're going to follow him all the days of your life. I would just ask that every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. If that's you this morning, if you're the one to make a first-time commitment or recommitment to Christ, just slip up your hand. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you do anything embarrassing. This is between you and God today. Yep, just slip it up and put it down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I would ask this morning, as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today, all repeat this prayer after me this morning. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins. That you would come into my life 
and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give him a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.